Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. And so we make our confession to God and hear his words of forgiveness. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven and to bring us to eternal life. We say together, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, Forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, you have knit together your elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of your Son, Christ our Lord. Grant us grace so to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that we may come to those inexpressible joys that you have prepared for those who truly love you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is from the first letter of John, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. The Gospel reading is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. If you've come past Seal Churchyard over the last few days, you might have noticed that we have an honoured visitor, in the shape of St Edith of Kemsing, my offering for the Halloween scarecrow trail around the village this year. I thought I'd put the hallow into Halloween and honour our local saint, because that's what hallow means. It means holy or saintly. In fact, Edith is really one of two local saints, because her mother, Wolfthrith, was also regarded as a saint, and for very good reason, it seems to me. I wondered about making a scarecrow of her as well, but time ran away with me, and I wasn't so sure that many people would know her. In some ways, though, Wolfrith showed the greater courage and determination, and she deserves to be honoured. I'm sure many of you will be familiar with the story, but in outline, here it is. Around 960 AD, England was ruled by the 18-year-old King Edgar, known as the Peaceable, but only because there were no major wars in his time. He was a bit of a lad, in fact, a womaniser, who had at least four children by three different women in the space of five years. And one of those women was Wolfthrith. She was either a nun or, more likely, a nobleman's daughter, entrusted to the keeping of Wilton Abbey, near Salisbury, where she could be educated and kept safe in the convent from unsuitable men. But the defences of a convent couldn't keep a king out, and legend has it that he was entranced by the sound of her voice reading aloud during a meal in the convent. He either abducted her or eloped with her, depending on who you believe, but either way, she probably didn't have much choice. She was a woman, he was a man, and a king to boot. Soon she was pregnant, so he installed her in what was either a royal house or a convent in Kemsing. He doesn't seem to have married her, though marriage was a fairly flexible concept at the time. But in any case, very soon after Edith's birth, his roving eye had roved on to another woman, Elfrida, who he definitely did marry and who eventually became his queen. Edgar always acknowledged Edith and supported her, and he seems to have been on good terms with Wolfthrith too. But discarded by a king, the best she could have hoped for was to be married off quietly to someone who'd turn a blind eye to her past. And Wolfthrith wasn't going to put up with that. She insisted on going back to Wilton, where she became a nun and eventually abbess. She brought Edith up in the convent, where Edith became a nun herself. Edith died in her early twenties, but Wolfthrith lived on for many years afterwards, dying around about a thousand AD with a reputation for holiness and loving care, having built up Wilton Abbey and influenced generations of nuns. 
One of her more tangible achievements was to build a stone wall around the abbey, perhaps in the hopes of giving the nuns in her care more protection against rapacious kings than she'd had. It would have been easy for Wolfthrith and Edith to have been consumed with bitterness, but they weren't. They decided not to let their past dictate their future. Our history doesn't have to fix our destiny. Instead, they found within the difficulties of their lives a real and living faith in God, and that enabled them to serve others and to make a difference to the world around them. They chose to make their own lives, and what lives they made. The truth is that those whom we call saints are often people who, at the time, would have seemed to those around them unlucky, awkward, cursed rather than blessed, people with no obvious success or attractiveness to recommend them. Jesus' words to his disciples in today's Gospel reading sum that up. The disciples had seen the crowds flock to Jesus, needy people, battered people, harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, as the Gospel puts it elsewhere. I can just imagine the disciples rolling their eyes and tutting as yet another leper, yet another woman hysterical with grief because her child was ill, yet another man whose life had gone off the rails, yet another prostitute stretched forth their grubby hands to try to touch Jesus. What was the point of helping these people? What use would they be in God's mission? Surely the chaos of their lives was proof that God wanted nothing to do with them. Surely they should be written off, as people might have been inclined to write off Wolfthrith and Edith. But Jesus takes his disciples aside and calmly, coolly overturns all those unspoken thoughts in the words we now call the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, he says, the meek, the mournful, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who don't play the power games of the world, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. In all these people, God is doing a holy thing, says Jesus. In him, the kingdom is coming into being. The rewards he talks about for them aren't some arbitrary prize they're given after death. They grow directly out of the situations that they face. When we are poor in spirit, we don't have the security that comes from wealth and status. But that means we value much more the loving support of others and the loving support of God. It's impossible to be comforted unless we truly mourn. Being hungry and thirsty for righteousness, knowing we need it, is the first step on the road to creating justice and peace. Jesus knew the truth of this because this was his experience too. In John's Gospel he says, I am the way. No one comes to the Father but by me. Being a Christian, he's saying, isn't a matter simply of praying the right prayers or believing the right things. It's about following a way, the way that Jesus walked before us, which led through the squalor, hardship and the shame of the cross. And yet, in that suffering, not despite it, hope was born. 
Our natural sense is often that when things are falling to pieces around us, we must be doing something wrong. We feel ashamed. But God doesn't see it that way. That's the message of Jesus' Beatitudes and the message of his life as well. When Wolfthrith found herself pregnant, unmarried and discarded, I doubt whether she felt blessed. When Edith was growing up illegitimate, dependent on the whim of a father who might or might not support her, I doubt whether she felt blessed either. And yet they both discovered the blessing of God in their vulnerability, and that meant they could become blessings for others. Beloved, says the letter of John, we are God's children now. Now when we're in a mess, now when our lives have gone awry, now when our plans all seem to be backfiring. We are God's children now, he says. But then he goes on, what we will be has not yet been revealed. The past doesn't have to define the future. The things that have happened to us, the things we've done, are not the last word. God is that last word, and whatever it is, it will be a word of love. So let's thank God for our local saints, for Wolfthrith as well as Edith. Their lives remind us that the things that seem like the end of the world can in fact be a new beginning. Others may think we'll never amount to anything. We might think that others will never amount to anything. But God sees us all as his beloved children, heirs of his kingdom, and if we can see that too, we are truly blessed. Amen. And so as we bring our prayers to God, we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God, and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Mm -hmm.